When Jesus sent out the 72 earlier on in Luke 10, Luke 10 was the gospel reading we heard earlier, when Jesus had already sent out the 72 and when he had sent them out, he said to them, go out, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. That is certainly true in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod today. If trends continue as they have for the last five to ten years, in the next ten to fifteen years, we will have about half as many LCMS pastors as there are LCMS churches. You can see how that is an issue. The harvest, plentiful. The harvest, plentiful, not only in Lutheran churches, but in all of northern Mississippi, not only just in northern Mississippi, you can just look across the street at the thousands upon thousands of students coming every year. The harvest is plentiful, but the labor is few. And so we should do as our Lord says, we should pray to the Lord of the harvest. And we have, and you have, and the Lord likes to answer prayers. And so he's raising up Jake to be one of his laborers. And that is a wonderful thing. But why are there so few laborers? Why are people, often men, qualified men, hesitant to go and be one of the laborers? Why does it seem that in certain times in history, the harvest is very plentiful, but the laborers are extra few? Why? And why does the Lord even need to send laborers to begin with? Of course, we could say very simply, well, people need the gospel. But why do people need the gospel? Well, yes, ultimately, for the salvation of their souls, of course. But if salvation is a free gift from God, why do people not just so readily accept it? Why do we need laborers to preach the gospel fervently? Why is it hard for people to hear the message? When Jesus sends out the 72, he also says this, I am sending you out like sheeps among wolves. Today we observe the feast of St. Michael and all angels, and we heard in Revelation of that mighty war that took place between Michael and his angels and Satan and his angels who would fall and become the devil and his demons. And we heard of the 72 coming back to Jesus about casting out demons. And so today in the church year, it was actually Friday, we're observing it today. Today we remember what St. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6. What is really going on in this world? What's really going on in the harvest and what's really going on with the laborers For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Jake, this is not a nice thing to say, but when you go out and preach the gospel, not everyone will like Lutheran theology like you love Lutheran theology. Not everyone will be as accepting and as kind as all the folks that are gathered here today to celebrate this wonderful day. You will be loved by the congregation as the vicar, but eventually, as the pastor, there will be times when things get hard, 
Because we do not wrestle just against flesh and blood, but against the powers of darkness. The devil does not like what you're about to do. He's going to put a target on your back. And so gird your loins, as they used to say, and put on the full armor of God. And the truth is, there's a lot of misconceptions when it comes to this today in our world. About 70% of Americans believe in angels, but only about 56% believe in the devil. You can reconcile that one in your head later. We live in a spiritual world. Everything is spiritual. If God created the earth and the heavens and everything in them, then everything is spiritual. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the powers and principalities in the heavenly places. There's lots of misconceptions about what angels are and about what demons are. And there's a lot of misconception about whether we do or don't live in a spiritual world. And if we do, what all that looks like. But the good thing about being a preacher in a Lutheran church, at least, and let's just say it this way, a scripture alone preacher, is that you get to be completely honest about these things with people. And you almost have this special power to know exactly what people's problems are. Because many people will look at their lives and they will think this is just some sort of scientific engineering problem to figure out of what steps I need to take to fix the problem, but they won't recognize that the problem, unfortunately for you, is not a physics problem. People's problems are spiritual. They're wrestling wrestling spiritually. And so you get to be clear with them, and we get to be clear today about what angels are and what demons are and what all is really going on here. So let's be clear about angels. Angels are God's army. The Bible constantly refers to the Lord with this title, the Lord of hosts. Who are those hosts? Who are these armies? That's what the word host means, sometimes also in our liturgy called Sabaoth. Not Sabbath, but Sabaoth. That means armies. That means host. Who are these armies that God commands, that he controls? He will command his angels concerning you, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Angels are God's army. They are sent to protect and to fight, just like Michael fought Satan in heaven and cast him and his demons out. Angels are created beings. They're different than humans. It's a common misconception. We do not become angels when we die. Paul says our bodies will be glorified like that of the angels, but we're still humans. Angels have three basic jobs. First, the word angel, it means messenger. This is what angels do. They bring messages. You can think about Gabriel bringing the message of the incarnation to Mary in Luke You can think about all the different angels in the Old Testament bringing the messages of God's prophecies to his people. And second, they fight. They protect God's people. You may remember a lot of those sayings about little ones in the Gospels. Let the little ones come to me, for to such is the kingdom of God. Do not hinder them. One of the things that Jesus says about little ones in Matthew 18, this one is not as well known, but I think it is very interesting is 
Whenever Jesus is talking about protecting the little ones, he says, for their angel in heaven always is beholding the face of my father. This is actually a biblical idea that I think little ones especially, they do have a guardian angel. Maybe not like the movies portray it, but God does send his angels as guardians. The little ones have an angel who is looking after them, and I think we do too. And third, the angels worship the Lord day and night. They're singing his praises. You can look at Revelation 5, the thousands upon the thousands of angels worshiping the Lord day and night. And the saints who have gone before us, they get to go and be there with them, singing the Lord's praises. And today we also heard, again, of that war between Michael, the archangel, and Satan. And so while 70%, yes, believe in those angels, we can be clear about what that looks like. Let's also be clear about the 56%, the demons too. The great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the world, thrown down to earth and his angels with him. And so we have devil and demons. And they're on this earth. Notice What John says in his revelation, Woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath, because he knows that his time is short. And what does Jesus call Satan? He calls him the prince of this world. And so, yes, Satan is here, and Satan has a limited power granted to him in this world. He is the ruler of darkness. And he wants to destroy you. He is prowling around like a roaring lion, seeking you to devour. And so let's be clear about how he does that. It hasn't really changed much throughout the ages. John calls him the deceiver. You can look at what he does in Genesis 3 when the dragon comes and he tries to deceive Adam and Eve and he tries to tell them, look, this is what God's word said. You can add a little bit to it or you can take away a little bit from it. Is that really how he wanted you to interpret that? And so he comes and he does the same thing to us, saying, you can be like God. You can decide for yourself what God's word means, and you can decide for yourself if you want to add just a little bit or take away a little bit, maybe the parts that are uncomfortable. You can decide for yourself if you want to be God, if you want to seek your own pleasure instead of what God wants you to do. He deceives us by telling us certain things don't matter that much. It doesn't matter that much to be in church as much as possible. It doesn't matter that much to be in his word and devotions that often. You should just seek for life for your own pleasure. You can be like God. And it's never full force. Most of the time it's little half-truths, just like it was for Eve. But then when he deceives you, what else does John call him? Also the accuser. He wants to say, oh, look, now you've sinned, and I'm going to keep you in that sin. There's no way you can be forgiven of that sin. Now that you're one of mine, you might as well just join the team and give up altogether. He wants to say, you've really messed up. There's no way God can love you that much. And then thirdly, this isn't explicit in the text, but I I do want to point this out. Because I think this is very important, especially, Jake, as you seek to counsel people in their spiritual problems. 
that the devil also works through means. We often talk about how God works through means. He works through the means of, for instance, his bread and wine and the Lord's Supper. He works through the means of water and baptism, through the Bible and his word. He works through the means of the counsel of Christian brothers and sisters. But he also works, but the devil also works through means. The devil can take things that are common and every day, and he can tempt you with them. Remember, everything is spiritual. Our wrestling is spiritual. And so he can work through the screen on your phone or the screen on the TV. He can work through pills in a bottle. He can work through bad company that you keep. And he will seek to find any path he can into your life to deceive and to accuse you. And so what can we do about this? We're clear about angels. We're clear about demons. What are we to do? And Jake, what can you do as the vicar? The answer is simple. You have the power of angels. First, angels are protecting us. Let's go back to that. What do we pray in Luther's morning and evening prayers? Let your holy angel be with me that the evil foe may have no power over me. Lean on the angels. They are there. God has sent them. He has promised them. Worship with the angels as we do every Sunday. Take comfort in that. But second, let me say it again, you have the power of the angels. What does John say that Michael used to cast down the devil? The blood of the lamb and the word of his testimony. And you have that blood. You are washed in that blood in baptism. That blood has washed away your sins. You drink that blood at the Lord's table. And you also have the word of his testimony. And Jake, this will be the main tool in your tool belt, the word that is sharper than any double-edged sword. This is what can cut through bone and marrow. This is what can cut through the devil and his demons, the word of his testimony. Yes, we wrestle. Yes, we battle. But Jesus has already won the war. Jesus has come and he has died on that cross and shed his blood and he crushed the head of the ancient serpent when he did so. He has won the war. And you have the testimony of that gospel. And so it is interesting whenever the 72 come back to Jesus and they say, Lord, you're never going to believe what happened. We were able to cast out demons in your name. And this kind of always strikes me in this passage. Jesus is not at all surprised. He says, yeah, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I was there during the war, guys. And behold, I have given you the authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. You're not doing yourself any favors by putting this target on your back, but you can take comfort in this. You have the power over the enemy. And Jesus says, you you don't even need to rejoice in that, that the spirits are subject to you. But rejoice that your names are written in heaven. This is the power that we have. 
Power of the angels to cast out the demons. Power of the angels to proclaim the word of his testimony. Power of the angels to rely on the blood of the Lamb shed for us. And if we have that, we don't really need to worry about how things are going to go. We don't need to worry about all the worries of tomorrow and what the vicarage is going to bring, the future of the church. Jesus says, rejoice in this, that one day you're going to sing with the angels. In the book of Daniel, Daniel was given also kind of a similar task when he said, yeah, Michael's going to come. It's going to be fine. You keep track of the book. The name's written in the book of life. And your names are there. You who are faithful, your name is there, Jake, the vicar. And rejoice in that. That's where we have our joy. And so so to that, Lord, the Lord of angel armies who has given us the power to tread over serpents and scorpions and who has written the names of the faithful into the book of life, To him be all the glory now and forever. Amen.